What's happening, everybody? This is Ryan with The Scale-Up Show. The guest I have on today is someone with the possibly richest and deepest background of anybody that I've ever interviewed. He literally started at Silicon Valley in 82, uh, actually worked at Cisco and took it from 400 sales reps to 6,000 with a $9.8 billion budget, eventually became president and CEO of WebEx where Eric Yuan, who is now the CEO of Zoom, was his CTO, didn't stop there, took a startup from zero to 100 million, and now is on to his next and newest startup that he is creating called BetterWorks, which you're not going to want to miss. It also even wrote a book, but this guy has so many amazing leadership examples and stories that you do not want to miss in this episode. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Doug Dennerline. Doug is the CEO and executive chairman of BetterWorks. So Doug has an amazing history that touches a lot of different areas. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. He's been in Silicon Valley since 82, starting with HP, uh, was also a senior vice president at 3Crom. Then at Cisco, where he took the sales group from 400 to 6,000 people, also then became the CEO of WebEx, where Eric Yon, who is the founder of Zoom, used to work for him as the CTO. On top of it too, is we're not stopping there. Uh, grew a company from zero to 100 million, sold to a PE firm, and now is doing it all over again with BetterWorks uh, in terms of reinventing the way people are managed. Uh, Doug, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's a hell of a background you got. So, I, I mean, there's probably like 10 trillion questions I could ask you in terms of, of what we did. However, before we do that, I want to get a real quick understanding of your your um, where you're at kind of the stage of the journey with BetterWorks, just so you, the listener, have has an understanding of kind of where they're at. So where are you guys at roughly in terms of your AR? Where are you guys at in terms of your, your stage of growth? Yeah, we're just we're just passing through 20 million ARR. Okay, just passing through 20 mil. And then at the same yeah. time, what's your team size? Uh, we're about 200 people today. Okay, 200. Uh, what's your primary go-to-market strategy for, for growing the business? Mm-hmm. It's we're enterprise we're an enterprise SaaS application and our go to market is very expensive salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> supported you know supported by all the things that you do in a SaaS business SDRs good marketing background uh, you know content creation all the things that you do to be you know in the marketplace as a offer as a service company. I love that. Very expensive salespeople. That's a that's a fantastic answer. I have to I have to repurpose that and use that myself. Uh, okay, so can you walk us through your solution in like two or three sentences and, and who it serves exactly? Yeah, yeah so, so basically, Ryan, what we're trying to do is reinvent the performance process that how companies manage, large companies manage people. Today, you know, even though it's a hundred year old process, literally a hundred years old, is the annual performance review. It's a process that, you know, research has proven that people hate getting it, people hate giving it, and it doesn't change performance. And so yet 75% of large companies still do it today. So we're, we spend a lot of time reinventing a process that's not backwards looking, 
It's all about kind of continuous conversations about uh, goal setting together, trying to make sure that you're aligned to what the corporation's trying to accomplish, the company's trying to achieve, and what are you personally trying to achieve within the company, and creating conversations between manager and individual contributor that they find meaningful versus punitive, which is you know how the process works today, and all the things that are wrapped around that in, in an HR process, in a human resources process. I love that. I mean, like, I, I normally don't go on a, on a offshoot pattern in the middle of an intro, but literally the best the hardest my team ever worked for me was when I was able to connect the corporate goals to what their individual goals were, both personally and professionally. So like, love the way you summarize it because I've seen it firsthand in terms of like, yeah. that's the hardest and best they've ever worked for me is when I did that. So I think you're definitely, definitely on to something with that. So yeah, it, it makes a big difference in engagement scores inside of companies when you know there's a stat out there, um, I, I, I forget which research firm, but says that 78% of people in a company greater than 1,000 people don't really understand how their work helps the company achieve its goals. Really? That high, huh? Yeah, 78%? Huge. Yeah. So they don't understand the value of what they're doing. of, And that's companies of exactly. over 1,000, right? Is, is it still the same with companies under that or no? Or just... I, 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 don't, I don't know as much, Ryan, because we're really focused on the high end of mid-market and large enterprise. And so I, I, I've been selling in that space my entire career. For true, the true. Okay. So then last but not least, are you bootstrapped or funded? Uh, we're funded. Um, I have uh, I, my Series A was done by John Doerr at Kleiner Perkins. Uh, John... And one fundamental to what we started as, Ryan, was an OKR platform, an objective and key results platform oh, okay, for yeah. goal setting. And John Doerr, you know, worked for Andy Grove at Intel for many years, and Andy Grove's the father of the OKR methodology. Mm -hmm. And so John has been very passionate about the company and the journey we've been on. And so he's been a, a large investor himself personally, as well as in Kleiner and also with Emergence Capital. Okay. That's awesome. And uh, I mean, that's literally I have his book sitting on my shelf over there. So, um, so good, good uh, resources to pull from both financially and I'm sure intellectually as well. <laughs> so, so as we progress, let's, let's get into your, your story, right? You've, you've had a real interesting journey and how, and in terms of how you got here. So walk us through what happened. Like, I think on the pre-show, I love just kind of the way you walk through things. So, Walk us through exactly how you got to this point and then what inspired you to, to begin the company. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, right? I'm, I'm, I have one of those careers where <clears throat> I, I'm gone from large to small. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I was, I was a very early employee at 3Com Corporation. You know, the, founder, the person who invented Ethernet, you know, uh, was the founder of 3Com Corporation. And um, I spent almost uh, 11, 12 years there. I, I got to live... I got to live in Hong Kong for three years with my family and spent a year in Japan. Uh, and then I fell into, because I was in the networking business, I fell into that role at Cisco. Mm -hmm. I went there in 98 when things were basically on fire in the whole networking world uh, and the dot-com boom. And Cisco had just massive growth when I was there. So I, I tell people I would open up a class every Monday morning that it was a, it was a fast assimilation class for new hires and there'd be 1,200 people in it every Monday morning wow. from 1998 to 2001. And so we went from 14,500 people to 48,500 people in two and a half years. And the growth was just, you know, 
one of those amazing experiences I got to experience in my life, just kind of being in the right place at the right time. And I led a very large sales team that grew from 400 to 6,000 in that same period of time, kind of half SEs and half systems engineers, if you will. And, and from there, my last role at Cisco, I, you know, we, we were we were a networking company, but we didn't have a network, you know, and so I wanted to put us in the software as a service business so we could see what it took to help companies put software as a service networks in place in those days. And so we went out to acquire a software as a service company. We ended up buying better, I'm sorry, uh, buying WebEx. Uh, and that was a great experience in itself. We bought WebEx in eight days. Um, they were wow. under contract to be by acquired by somebody else and we wanted to act quickly. And so we did. And Closed that deal in eight days, and then I became the uh, general manager, CEO of WebEx internally at Cisco for three years. Eric Yuan, again, my was my tech guy, and he now left and founded uh, Zoom. Wait, wait, uh, and is Doug, a very good lifelong friend. Can, can we? Can I hold you there? Because like the, you're dropping so much gold, I don't want to gloss over it. So there's a couple of things, right? <laughs> so so first thing, let's let's, and then I want to get to Eric, right? From from Zoom, we used to be your, your tech guy, which is, it sounds funny saying that. He used to be my tech guy, right? Um, however, so let's talk about like the the pure chaos of the growth that you had, where twelve hundred new people were at like your. It sounds like your Monday morning <laughs> intro meeting that you had with them or, or whatnot, right? And then yeah. the four hundred to six thousand salespeople. Let's let's just take the twelve hundred new people every every week first, like. What was that like? And and how did you remember anybody? Like, how, how did that whole process kind of happen? We don't need to get super deep, but it just sounds like it'd be like yeah. massive, like chaos drinking from a fire hose managing that. I look back and it was way less chaotic than you might think. Um, you know, uh, John Chambers was the CEO of the company the entire time that I was there. Uh, and John, you know, his whole his whole story was we need to tell stories about our culture. And so what most we, we would parade all the leaders of the organization in in those classes. It was a week long class and we would tell stories of how we got to where we were at that point in time in the networking world. And we had great stories about our culture. And, you know, we, we and, and I could tell you many of those stories. I mean, they were good. And we tried to do everything we could to keep the culture together. Now realize those 1,250 people were in every function in the company, not just the sales organization. Oh, yeah. So they were manufacturing, they were everywhere. Just it was in, you know, having them understand the company they were joining. Um, and what happened in the sales side of things is being able to add that many people. I mean, I'd walk by John Chambers and he would say to me, how many more salespeople do you need? You know, and so he would, every time I saw him, it was how many more salespeople do you need? And we would just uh, start to, uh, fine-tune the sales organization. At first, we just had territories. Then we split it into enterprise and commercial. And then we split it into enterprise, commercial, and federal. And, and you know, I, I would put leaders in place and we would, you know, we had full, four layers in the organization. So I had 10 vice presidents who all had three or four operational directors reporting to them who had seven RVPs. And every operational director had about a $300 million business. So my quota at the time was $9.8 billion. Whoa, uh, and we would wait, do two and a half billion. Nine point eight billion with a B, big. like billion, like a Doctor Evil billion. So you had nine point eight, a Doctor <laughs> Evil billions. All right, keep going. I'm following you. Well, and you know, you mean the, the operational directors would all be running three hundred million dollar businesses yeah. on an annual basis. I mean, it was it was a crazy, crazy time, and uh, and it's 
and it's a great culture. It's a great company. Still, I'm good friends with the CEO of Cisco today, and he's been there a long time, and they're doing really well. So, you know, I have a very warm place in my heart for the company and the experience that I gained there. And I just got lucky in the end of that, Ryan, by by having this idea of moving from there to being, you know, basically an operating a large SaaS company. They were 3,000 people and about 550 million in ARR. Okay, and that was that was just so everybody could keep up. That was well, real quick. John Chambers, what was it like working for him? John is an incredible, incredible guy. Um, you know, he he talks about building a family, and he means it. You know, um, John wants to not just know about the business. John wants to get to know you as a person. And and John, you know, he's an incredible leader. I I, I will I will tell you, he has in a meaningful way, impacted a lot of people's lives. Let me tell you one quick story that I think you'll find interesting. John, his mother and father were both doctors. And so he cared a lot about employees that were having health issues and he got very involved in it. And multiple times, John got very involved. We had a, a, a person that ended up being diagnosed with a brain tumor that was basically inoperable. It was a nine on a scale of one to 10 and 10 being totally inoperable. John refused to get that answer got four brain surgeons on a, on a conference call, said, who's going to do this surgery? He had a jet fly this employee low levels to Bethesda, Maryland. They did the surgery. That person's around today. Wow. You know, uh, I had one, some, a woman who worked for me very close to me, got diagnosed with an inoperable tumor, and, and John got her in. She was trying to get into John Hopkins University, and they said, sorry, you've already been told by reputable places that it's inoperable. And they, they weren't going to give her an appointment. John got her an appointment in you know, one hour. And she's here today and married and has kids. That's awesome. And so, you know, those kinds of stories build loyalty to a leader that's kind of, you know, yeah, forever I mean, makes you forever loyal. That's amazing. Okay. So, all right. So, so keep going. So next thing, you know, you're, you're running a uh, $9.8 billion budget annually that you have, right? And then. You're shifting gears. How did you get? So, so how did the acquisition? I almost said the acquisition of Zoom. How did the acquisition of WebEx go down in eight days? Like from from time to close, and then how did you get put in charge of it? Uh, so, so again, they were un, they were literally under due diligence to be acquired by another company, and we knew we had to move quickly. So we worked around the clock, literally for eight days to get through contract contracts, all the things that it takes to acquire a company. Now, do you realize Cisco was an expert at acquisitions? Uh, I was there for 11 years, and I think I was there for 113 acquisitions. So, you know, they, they knew what they were doing in that regard. Uh, and then, I, you know, what, what the reason I got that role is I had a lot to do with why I thought we needed to have a SaaS company in our portfolio. And I got it. They said, you know, hey, Doug, good idea. There you go, bud. You know, and so I literally walked in and pretty unexperienced in terms of running other, any other function other than sales and took over a 3000 person company with all functions and attached to it. So, uh, you know, it changed my trajectory in my career. I went from being a sales leader to being an operator mm -hmm. or a CEO. And I've been running SaaS companies ever since. Love that. Love that. And so how, what was it like having Eric? who's now the CEO of Zoom or in, in, in founder of Zoom. What was it like having him as an employee? And then, you know, like, were there any indicators that you saw from him that, that he was going to do something special that stuck out, a, stuck out to you, I should say? Um, 
Uh, again, and he's one of those incredible human beings, um, uh, you know, first generation Chinese. Uh, and the way that WebEx was built uh, originally was uh, the corporate functions sat in Santa Clara. And they had three division, three large areas, two and a half hours outside of Shanghai that had about 300 engineers in them. And they divided the product to those three different locations in China. And basically, Eric was the point inside of WebEx in Santa Clara that dealt with all of those 900 engineers. Wow. He, he literally led all those 900 engineers. Cow. And then when we got acquired, you know, of course, we, we wanted Cisco gear to be in the cloud for WebEx, not the stuff they were using. And so he went through the full transformation of pulling, you know, the whole network into the Cisco cloud. I think there were some frustrations with that along the way. And and I think Eric realized, you know, he was in a product and, and, and they've made great, I, I don't want to, WebEx is a great product and a great company, but I think Eric wanted, felt like he could go get rid of the legacy and go start something new and bring something really powerful to market. And, and of course, Ryan, he's one of those people, he could, you know, Eric doesn't, money means nothing to him. I mean, he's all about helping the world and, and he's one of those great people and it's a pleasure to have known him, to know him. Wow. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. All right. So you've caught us present. Amazing stories, by the way. A lot of, lot of fun here in your adventures. And so talk to us about the, you know, the, the SaaS journey and, and kind of like what you're doing today. Because I think you, your mission sounds amazing and with, with kind of where you're progressing and would love to, love to hear about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the things um, in my background is when I left Cisco, I ended up also... Uh, going to work with for Lars Delgard at SuccessFactors. And they were the first human capital management application, SaaS application to put performance management into the cloud. And ultimately the full platform, you know, all the way from core HRIS to, to learning to the whole cradle to grave HR suite. And I was there through the acquisition of SAP and I left shortly after the acquisition of SAP one not to be part of another big company. I wanted to be, you know, I really enjoyed the startup mentality of seeing the impact you can have in a smaller company. And so now I'm at, at BetterWorks and, you know, being able to, to have come from this market and see now to build software that actually people see a benefit in. It does not, it's not, and you see the impact in a company when smart HR people and good CEOs know that people, the most important aspect of their company now, the most important asset, put these new processes in place that actually get people engaged and working on the right stuff together, to your point, Ryan, they, they do much better in, in terms of generating revenue than those companies that don't go on this journey. To the point I, I told you, I just recently wrote a book because I, I, 75% of the companies in the world still don't go to these new processes. They still do it's the so old crazy. one because that's what they know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. I mean, 
it's the annual review, right? <laughs> it's like, let's, let's do yeah. the, uh, the annual review. And I think, you know, where you, where you started off the episode with is the, the more leading view of like where people want to go, uh, as opposed to like what you get penalized for is really positive. And as you can, I mean, there's a lot of pushback from employees right now. I mean, people do not like their employers, right? <laughs> you got that right. <clears throat> I mean, so. And, and now they have, now they have places to go and complain about that, whether they go out to, you know, glass door or, you know, there's lots of places to go complain blind about your company while you're working for your company. So it's definitely an interesting time. Okay. And so can you repeat the name of the book too, if people want to check it out and. and... Uh, Yeah, it's called measure what matters. I I wrote it with a woman that is our HR transformational leader. I had worked with her now in two companies. She actually was a success factors customer of mine and she had been doing amazing things in transformation in a hundred thousand person company. And I had her come over and, help me help other HR leaders realize if they go through this transformation, then it's worth it to see what happens at the other end of it. And so she wrote it, we wrote it from perspective of me being a CEO, knowing how to leverage a really strong HR leader and her looking at it from an HR leader's perspective, working with a CEO who sees the benefit of a strong HR leader. Okay. And so it's a bunch of chapters on the transformation and then a little bit in the back of the book about what BetterWorks does to help you do that. Okay. So that's amazing. And I mean, like I got so many questions for you, but we have such limited time. So I think like one of the things that I'm really curious about is with that and her experience and your experience and everything that you've looked at in the space and growing and managing big teams, like what are the core three to five most important things that any CEO or leader could do to I, I should say kind of two fronts, right? Connect with their employees, but then also create the most the most value from having them as a part of your company. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm, I will I would tell you, um, you know, the irony around all of this is most CEOs and their direct reports don't actually go through the annual performance review process. They're like, I'm not going to waste the time to do that. And so they don't even experience the horror of that whole process themselves because they kind of refuse to do it. And so my advice to a smart CEO is, hey, go go down and experience what you're putting your people through with these with this process. And, and you'll be motivated to go to your HR person saying, oh, my gosh, we got to change this somehow. And then also finding a right partner in HR. And, and this is an important one for me. You know, they're they're and now having sold to HR for many, many years now, there's really kind of two HR leaders. There's leaders that are they're kind of there, they're there for compliance, they, they keep you from getting sued, they make sure you understand the laws around what needs to transpire with people. Mm-hmm. But then there's an HR leader that is probably your best sounding board. They're your mirror. They go, they understand your strategy, they're kind of operationally focused, not you know, HR focused. They're like, okay, this is the strategy for the company. Here's the skills our people need to have for us to win in this environment. And, and hey, Mr. CEO or Ms. CEO, these three people on your team are not going to get you there and you need to do something about it. And they hold a mirror up to you and they you know, make sure that you're doing the right thing structurally to get your company to be successful. And so when those two people come together and have that right relationship, it's, it's, it's pretty magical to watch large organizations go through that transformation. And I've seen some great companies 
do it. And I see the results of, of those changes. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so, and then what about tactically taking it one step further? So you're a frontline leader, yeah, manager, yeah. like <clears throat> what's the best way to execute, you know, from what you've seen with all the clients you've worked with, all the teams you've led, you know, yeah. what do you think, what's your recommendation there for leading people? Well, Ryan, where, where the world of HR, where I'm taking the world of HR is going to help people, you know, because managers are the least invested person in the company. You know, it's like, hey, you did really well. Now you're a manager and good luck. You know, you're, here's your it's learn on the job. And mm-hmm. they and many of them never make the transformation being an individual contributor to being the skills of a manager to grow somebody in that role. And again, it's also an event. You know, you do it at the end of the year. You know, what you need to do is be talking to people all, all the time around how they, what they're good at, what they can get better at, who, who they are, where do they want to go, having open, honest conversations and being transparent with them about where they're at. And that's a difficult thing for people. But you know what? With I, I know you're a huge chat GPT fan or AI fan, ILMs. That's going to change the world of HR too, because now we're going to be able to have you know, a co-pilot for a manager saying, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm, hey, I'm getting ready to have a tough conversation with this individual and they don't look well with others. You know, hey, Mr. You know, AI bot in my product, how do I have that conversation? And it'll, it'll instantly put out, here's the 10 steps to take to have a difficult conversation effectively, you know, and, and eliminating people's need to write reviews. AI will write the review. Mm-hmm. You just you'll just make sure that it, it reflects re, you know accuracy and reality. And so we're busily you know day and night looking at AI through not just in the product but in every function in the organization. It's changed marketing. It's changed you know anything that's repetitive. You know support. And so I'm, I'm all over it as a CEO, and we're spending a lot of time reinventing ourselves so that this process becomes something that really helps people. It'll really give you feedback that is meaningful for you. It'll actually be something that changes your performance. It'll remove bias from the HR process, which our HR processes are filled with bias today. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited about that. I, I didn't mean to take you down that rat hole, but I think no, it's, it's going to okay. really be a game changer. As you can tell by my profile, I love talking about AI. I've been fascinated with it. You know, you know, was something interesting, yeah. like as long as we're talking on the HR topic with, with AI, um, one of the things that, that I looked at was like, Okay, like I, I told the I told ChatGPT to basically act like Gary Tan, who's a CEO of Y Combinator, right? And I'm like, okay, back into yeah. like I had him say like, okay, what are all the go-to-market strategies that are optimal based on the best success patterns that people have had, right? Rank them from most successful to least successful, and which was really good. It gave me like I think I think it said eight or nine core patterns. And then I'm like, okay, tell me what's the ideal founder for each type of go-to-market strategy and list their ideal backgrounds, traits, like communication oh, profile. Wow. And it did a pretty good job from what I saw. So that was something that I thought was like super unique. You just had to give it the right context and put it through the right lens. If that makes sense. You do. It's all, it's all about how developing the, the right way to ask the questions. Yeah. So... Let's let's do two things, and I want to ask you two quick questions, and and then we got to kind of wrap things up because we're almost up on time. So the first one is like, what's the single best strategy that that you've seen used or you've used personally to grow a business? Um, Well, I'm a big believer, uh, Ryan, that the 
the team, the company with the best team has the highest chance of winning. Mm-hmm. And I, I have seen organizations keep mediocre people in roles way longer than they should. And, you know, um, I, I think even John Chambers always had a saying that, you know, I, I, I never move somebody out too quickly. You know, it, it, we, we keep, we keep, we, to me, you can only move someone so far down the path to becoming an, you know, I, I don't love the term, but an A player. So go hire people that get the job done for you. Uh, you know, uh, wrap your arms around them, let them know how much they're appreciated, get them on a career path that matters. And so building the right team to me matters a lot. And, uh, and I'm the kind of leader where I, it's a, it, I have a very low ego environment in my company, and I don't believe in lines, and I don't like people that believe, believe in lines. And I tell everybody I hire, if I find out you're passive aggressive the day after I hire you, I will fire you the next day. I don't, I don't have any patience for it. I want people, I want smart, hardworking people that have an opinion to come to the company and challenge it every day and have fun doing it. No, yeah. that's great advice. What about the? Let's flip it the other side. Like, what would you say now, growing the company where you're at, you know, 20 million plus, what would you say is your your single biggest challenge of growing the business right now that you're running into? Well, you know, I, I wish the world would quit throwing curveballs at us. You know, <laughs> COVID was not a great thing for, for the HR business. HR business leaders have been very busy with, you know, with caring about employees during that time and now switching it to, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a slow economy uh, and people worried about recession, you know. And so uh, I would just like a little tailwind would be fun. <laughs> but I, I still many companies are realizing that they need to change the experience their employees have with their products mm-hmm. internally and are doing something about employee experience. And we're still seeing a, a lot of demand for companies that know that the old ways are not going to get them where they need to be. Okay. So it sounds like managing the rate of of innovation, acceleration, and change <laughs> to summarize it super simply. Well, and I think the other one is AI is going to change everything. Yep. And 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 I think people need to get their head around that. Yeah, so true. All right. Well, unfortunately, Doug, we are up on time. Where can people find you? Where the, where can they find out more about BetterWorks and your book? Yeah. Uh, I'm one of those people. I'm very reachable. Doug at BetterWorks is my email. Any questions you have about anything you heard today, feel free to reach out to me directly. And the book is available on all those places that you would normally go buy a book, Amazon.com and such. Uh, And it's called Measure What Matters. I'll hold up there. So go get it. Uh, It's uh, for those of you who want to kind of make a difference to to your people. it's It's a good read. Doug, really appreciate having you on the show. Love your perspective. Love your journey. Love what you're doing for the workforce. So thanks for being on, man. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to meet you as well today. All right. And I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering 
in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.